Hey guys, today on the Launchpad Pod, Matt sits down with comic book creator Ryland Grant to get an aberrant update. Ryland's a big friend of the show. He's introduced us to lots of cool comic creators. We did that meltdown event that he orchestrated. We meet him a lot at cons. He does a lot of panels. He's been a great friend of the show, and so we love to help him out every now and then and give him a platform to talk about aberrant, this awesome comic book that he's created. He has some big news to share with us on this update. He has a lot of drops coming out in March, so we love to give him the opportunity to tell us what he has dropping for his comic books this month. Steve Prince, friend of the show, artist and co-creator of Destroyer. He and Rylan are putting together an awesome comic book. We love to share that with you. So that's what we have going down on the show today. Remember, keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Launchpad Pod and on our website, launchpadpod.com. So we'll turn it over to Matt and Rylan Grant for the aberrant update. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, Launchpad Podcast. I am chilling with my buddy Ryland Grant. How you doing, sir? I'm doing excellent, man. Thanks for having me on. You got it. It's been uh, it's been a little while since we've uh, chatted on the show. We've seen a lot of each other at cons and stuff. And I tell you, man, Aaron and I are always busy, but you keep rolling out this content. You and you know, mutual buddy Steve Prince. I don't know where you guys have time to fucking eat a hamburger, let alone sleep or go uh, to the bathroom. Yeah, I, I also uh, I also have a two year old daughter who keeps me very busy, and then um, I also. So get paid to uh, write movies that don't get made. Dude, the only way that that math works out is if that girl, that little baby girl is helping you write those movies. Are you like, are you putting her into forced labor here? Is she cranking out those scripts for you? Yeah, basically like we run a daycare. And so we have, we have 10 or 12 kids just typing on, you know, uh, keyboards <laughs> like uh, monkeys, you know. <laughs> They're it's very like good. a puppy mill, but for scripts with kids. Yeah, it's like the comedic sense hasn't quite come out of them at like two and a half, but they write good action movies. You know, <laughs> it's the trait that Hollywood goes for uh, these days. So we're making a lot of money off of them. <laughs> well, you're doing the right thing. Uh, as a almost father myself, I'm going to start not only taking notes about what you talk about with comic books and shit, but also child rearing because I didn't think of the, the potential value of my child as a writer. <laughs> Yeah, well, 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 here's the thing is, you know, I mean, I was uh, I think I got my first job when I was six. I worked at a sheet metal factory Sure. Uh, sure. in two weeks. I was running the floor. Um, <laughs> I just think that uh, child labor laws are ruining this country. And so I'm, I'm fighting back. You know? <laughs> I'm just going to say our metal work was much, much better back in the day than it is now. There's no debating that. Yeah, totally. I'm just I'm taking a stand. This is I'm, I'm going to die on this hill. You know? <laughs> well, don't die yet, man. This is March. And you have told me that March is the month of aberrant. Tell our listeners what exactly that means. Means. What is going on this month? The month of Aberrant has has changed a little bit. Diamond, the one and only comic distributor out there and, and their website, Previews World, at one point had four pieces of Aberrant parked in the month of, of March. That's no longer the case, but March is still a busy month. So the first arc of my political action thriller, Aberrant, uh, wraps up. It actually dropped in comic shops today as we're recording this on March 6th, you know, a few days down the road when folks are here hearing this, it'll be in their comic shops ready for them to pick up. And that's issue number five, right? It's issue number five. Sweet. Yeah. So that first arc gets wrapped up near the end of the month. It is currently slated for March 20th. The volume one trade paperback drops and that collects issues one through five, the entire first arc. And then on April 3rd, which is, you know, just, a, you know, not, not too many days later, about two weeks later, the second arc of Aberrant, the next five issues or season two, uh, as it's being, uh, 
referred drops in comic shops. Right now, issues one and two of season two are actually slated for uh, an April release, but I have a feeling that uh, Diamond is eventually going to kick the second issue down the road uh, to the next month. But a lot of aberrant. And then, and then on top of that, I have another book, which is a, a collaboration with friend of the show, Stephen Prince, who does, I, I say this unequivocally, my favorite comic book out there, Monster Matador. I, I think maybe you guys have had him on the show to, to talk about that before. Absolutely. We have launched a kind of offshoot of Monster Matador, a sister uh, book called Tales from the World of Monster Matador. So Monster Matador obviously follows the Matador himself, uh, sort of walking the earth like Kane and Kung Fu and uh, getting into adventures, you know, saving cities from the scourge of the the monsters, the kaiju monsters who have risen up and started attacking the earth. Tales from the world of Monster Matador is what everyone else is doing. And so we have this crazy little story where a monster is attacking Los Angeles. And after a twist and a turn, a bat signal ends up in the sky. <laughs> and one by one, all of the actors who have uh, played Batman in feature films are, are moved to strap on their bat suits and respond and craziness ensues. That is set to drop March 22nd. So that's a lot. I mean, if you, you know, right up to, I, I think I have four four or five books right now dropping uh, between now and April 3rd. So it, it's crazy, man. Well, let's let's dive into these a little bit. Let's go like in reverse order real quick. Uh, you guys listening, you probably recognize Steve Prince's name because Steve Prince is the co-creator and mostly writer and artist on the Launchpad's book, Destroyer. He is a phenomenon and him and Ryland have gotten together and done this offshoot of Monster Matador. I know a lot of you also have started to read Monster Matador, and if you haven't yet, get on it, because it is fucking great. I love it so much. Again, it's my favorite book out there. It's so fun. It's 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 near future. These giant mon- monsters have started to, like, wreck, you know, the country, and only, uh, more or less, only one man can stand in their way, and it's the Monster Matador, and he's this baller matador who kills these monsters, and, you know, if you guys like Destroyer, you're going to like this. The way that I was thinking about it, to, to kind of explain it, is it's like when you go to a great friggin restaurant and you find out that the same owner owns a completely different type of restaurant that's a whole nother flavor but it's still great that's the difference between destroyer and monster matador and now that uh ryland has shown me some preview stuff for uh the newest batman-esque related tales from the world of monster matador that's what it's like this is like three awesome restaurants on the same block that all have a different flavor but i'm telling you if you like any one you're gonna like the rest you know, again, Monster Matador, just my favorite book. So I was just kind of desperate to write for it. And so Steve and I started talking about, oh, well, well, you know, how do we make that happen? I wasn't going to write actual Monster Matador because that's totally his thing. And I could I could never do what he does. It's just so like it's so sharp. It's so cutting. It's so funny. It's like I, I like to pitch it like it's if Danny McBride made like a Santo movie, you know, uh, <laughs> and, it, and, and it's just his it's his unique sense of humor. And so it's like, well, let's do something that is kind of Monster Matador, but is its own thing. And so I think we're going to turn it into a series. I mean, obviously, he and I are both kind of busy he just had a he just had a second kid and he's doing the dad thing too i mean though his output is is just you know you, you think my output is superhuman he's just i mean he draws everything i don't know how but he that's does what it. you said you have one kid so that you can only work that kid so much he's got two kids so he's got twice the labor force that you do yeah, yeah so he probably has those kids drawn it <laughs> so we're, we're gonna do a we're, we're already working on a second installment we're not we're not terribly far along it is going to take place in florida which is right if you're a florida man fan you're gonna love this thing <laughs> and it is going to 
to uh, feature Creed frontman Scott Stapp uh, having, <laughs> having a uh, psychological break where he thinks that the uh, the CIA is uh, is chasing him and, and that the CIA has uh, brought about the the rise of these monsters and and he uh, he puts his uh, his hero boots on and shoves a, a couple of screwdrivers and a bunch of documents he printed from the internet into a, a backpack, <laughs> hops on his bike and, uh, and and goes to take out the monsters. It's it's, it's going to be epic. We're thinking about uh, licensing some Creed songs. You know, the cover is going to feature uh, Scott standing on a mountaintop in the rain, you know, looking like Jesus. It's it's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to see that. And I can't wait for you guys to check out The Darkest Night Returns. Yeah, The Darkest Night Returns. That's yeah. the, the newest tales from the world of Monster Matador. Stephen Ryland have told me that that's going to come out probably on March 22nd. If not on Comixology, it'll definitely be on the Monster Matador website, monstermatador.com. So check that out. And you can get it digitally. And we also, uh, we printed up some copies too. And so you can get yourself a nice uh, signed hard copy uh, on the Monster Matador website. I also have a Gumroad, mm-hmm. the Half Evil Comics Gumroad, gumroad.com backslash Half Evil Comics. And uh, Monster Matador will be up there. Uh, Darkest Night will be up there. As well as I have a lot of rare aberrant variants up uh, that you kind of can't get anywhere else. We have our um, SDCC exclusive, our uh, Coming to America cover, those Amunda mm-hmm. covers, Dowell's cover. And then there's a cover that um, I was commissioned by a group to do a University of Central Florida themed uh, uh, cover, which is kind of crazy. And basically you can get any aberrant book signed there. And I don't make any money off the website. Everything goes to uh, support a lot of nice charities. Got money going to the uh, African Wildlife Fund to, to kind of combat elephant poaching. And then UCF books, they go to the UCF Fund, which supports scholarships at the University of Central Florida and, and everything. Oh, that's super cool. What a great idea. Guys, head over there and check it out. It, it's totally worth it. If you guys haven't heard Ryland on any of our past episodes, you're a little late to the game, but not too late. Like he said, season one, issue five, drops soon, and the trade will drop shortly thereafter. Catch up now because season two is about to start. The book is wild. The art is great. The covers are to fucking die for. Uh, <laughs> Ryland had this great thing, and I actually just saw him down at Long Beach Comic Con a couple weeks ago, and he was just telling me how much everybody was jumping on these covers. Um, Ryland, you want to talk a little bit real quick about some of the season one variant covers, and do you want to tease some season two ones that are coming up so we know what to keep our eyes out for? The variant cover thing is funny because it's like, you know, I, I mean, the, the, we're in the age of variant covers. People love to, to collect them. They love to scoop them up and they entice people to buy other things. And, and Action Lab makes us do variant covers. You know me pretty well by now. And I, I just I don't do anything straightforward. I mean, Aberrant <laughs> is there's a lot of humor in Aberrant, but it's a you know, it's a it's it's an action drama. You know, it's it's a pretty serious book. However, my variant covers are just kind of bonkers all the time. The issue one variant cover was a, a take on the classic Billy D. Williams Colt 45 uh, advertisement. It works every time. The issue two variant cover was a play on that like classic photograph of Elvis meeting Richard Nixon. We had not one, but uh, two elf-inspired variant covers in the first season. One with a, uh, you know, our, our kind of main villain eating uh, his lunch from an elf lunchbox, you know, that I actually owned in the 80s. You know, again, like I love doing them and I think they're funny. And, and actually, you know, some of our, our more colorful covers. We got written up an io9, which is a really hard get. Yeah, man, you were saying. Yeah, for, for any comic book, but particularly for an Action Lab book. Action Lab is a small label. Our Coming to America reference uh, got us written up in io9, and then we were included in their like best new comic books uh, article at the end of the week and stuff like that. It was it was really great. 
so I knew that there, that there was some power to these things, but I didn't really know that until I tabled at Long Beach. And um, I had all of our issues just kind of out under display. And some of your listeners have maybe done it. Maybe you've even done it. But but tabling at a con really sucks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, 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 quite a, it's quite a work. It's quite work. There are so many books out there. You're begging anyone to care. You're trying to you're trying to get people to stop. People are just ignoring you. You feel like a used car salesman in like the worst way. But and so I'm sitting with a bunch of other people who are tabling and people are just walking by their their tables. People just kept they just kept stopping in front of my table and they just kept getting drawn in. They'd be like, oh, my God, Billy D. Oh, my God, Elf. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, it was like I just saw like the tractor beam like power of uh, of these covers. And so um, for season two, we really doubled down and went kind of crazy. We have a point break inspired variant. One of our characters is telling another character to go get him two meatball sandwiches while a bunch of president mask wearing hoodlums are robbing a bank in the background. <laughs> Give me two. Yeah. We, hey, Utah, get me two. It's one of my favorite uh, lines from any movie. I think we have a, a Top Gun playing with the bo- boys variant where uh, you know, we kind of do a send up of that extremely homoerotic volleyball scene from Top Gun. <laughs> We have a, a Karate Kid Part Two liver die variant that uh, that sends up that 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 final you know climactic uh, fight scene with the drums in the background. Why we did Karate Kid Two and not Karate Kid, uh, I can't explain. <laughs> you don't need to that's explain. Just, that's the beauty of it. That's just sort of my sense of humor. We did a uh, we did a Wienermobile variant. We did a lot of good crazy variants and. And then I'm sure I'm sure I'll go kind of bonkers with, you know, we'll have another uh, we'll have another Comic-Con variant this go around and uh, and and we'll probably do some other things. But you hit it right on the head. I mean, right now is a really good time to get on board if you missed. I mean, I know it's uh, the trade drops. We are in the age of people uh, binge watching TV shows on Netflix. People are consuming comics the same way now Mm. where, you know, that's how I read them a lot of times. I mean, I'm a good soldier and I go down and I order. uh, I, you know, I have a lot of friends in the comic book business, a lot of friends who are writing great books. But again, I have a two-year-old. I'm writing all this stuff. And so I order my books every week, but then they stack up, they stack up, they stack up. And uh, and what I tend to do is when a story arc is finished, I grab those four issues, those six issues, and I read them all at once. And it's it's great. It's interesting. You know, it's like, I mean, a good book, you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, I want more. I want more. This way you don't have to wait a month. You just sure, yeah. you, you turn the page and, 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 and it's the next one. So I come from a film TV background. I set Aberrant up like a, a long TV season where things get set up in issue two and 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 we touch back with it on issue four and it gets paid off in issue six. And and so you can see all the machinery when you read it like this. And so so great time to get on board, grab that first trade, you know, devour those first five issues. They read really well together. And then, uh, you know, and then get your pre-orders in for uh, for season two. And I got to tell you, dude, season one is a lot of fun. I think that our listeners, again, if you guys haven't checked it out yet do it it is without giving away too much spoilers there's a superhero superhuman superhero type element to it but there's also some conspiracy it's a really good action there's some thriller like there's a it's all of the you have the best genres walking into blockbuster and taking like a cross-section of the best genres and jamming them into one comic book in a way that works and works organically and then now you have season two is coming out the second arc you have said it's going to be a little bit more like buddy cop ish where you have two people who don't want to be together, but they need to be together to get something done. Let me just take you through the story real quick. I mean, you know, get, get the good pitch in there. It's, it's been described aberrant as kind of 24 with superheroes is kind of one of the cooler uh, things sure, yeah. that, that, that I've heard. And, you know, it makes sense. It was actually, uh, you know, there, there was big news. I think it was two weeks before issue two dropped. We got option for TV. And so we're developing we're developing aberrant as a TV show uh, right now for kind of the Netflix set with um, seemingly with Frank Grillo, which w- would be an amazing fit but you know we'll see if that pans out 
uh, awesome, man. Yeah, but it was uh, it was Tony Kranz, one of the primary producers and, and sort of figureheads in the in the 24 universe that that optioned it and, and is kind of running with it now. So so the the producer of 24 is now uh, is now so, sort of trying to shepherd this 24 with superheroes through the through the whole thing. And so there are a lot of superhero books out there. Aberrant takes place in this world where there are superheroes, but this is really about what everyone else is doing. It's it's uh, it is a sort of really grounded look at sort of how our government, our military would necessarily change, like our geopolitics would necessarily change if people with superpowers exist. So that's sort of the macro of it all. The micro is we follow this guy, David Colbrenner, who is a U.S. Army Special Operations Commander. And early on, he loses his entire unit to a superhuman attack. And then he spends kind of the rest of the book, the rest of the, the first arc, waging this brutal one-man war on the, the eccentric billionaire and former superhero who, who he believes is responsible. Season one is kind of like a, I like to say that it's sort of like a Paul Thomas Anderson like addiction play that's disguised as like a Ridley Scott action film. So you, you were talking about this sort of genre, you know, mashup sort of thing. Yeah. That's how I like to pitch it. It's also it's also kind of a, a love letter to those great paranoid action thrillers of the 70s, like The Conversation and and, and Marathon Man and Three Days of the Condor. Uh, those are some of my kind of favorite films. So that gets in there too. And so so we're doubling down on that with, with this second arc, with season two that starts in April. April. Season two starts with the realization that this this superhero, this eccentric billionaire that David thought was responsible, this guy's name is Lance Cordry. What he finds out by the end of that first arc is that Cordry was a patsy and that, that David's men were killed as kind of part of this vast, twisted government military conspiracy. And so the second season starts off with David having to sort of like pair up with this man that that he spent five issues hating. And so if he's going to if he's going to solve this mystery, if he's going to peel back the layers of this conspiracy, he needs this guy's help. And so season two, as you were hinting at, it kind of it does. It plays like one of these edgy 80s buddy cop movies. And and, and these are my absolute favorite films. If I'm going to list you my like my if I'm going to list you like my top 10 films, like probably four of them are, are, are 80s buddy cop movies. So I'm talking like Lethal Weapon, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop. And so if you look at that second season under a microscope, you're definitely going to see a lot of that DNA. And so so David and Cordry, these guys just hate each other with a passion, you know, but they kind of need each other. It's like they they each have a problem. The other guy can help solve it. And so they they sort of they head off into this this second season, uh, uh, not knowing what they're going to face. But they're each other's only friends right now. And, 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 and they have to kind of walk through those issues hand in sweaty hand. And it's never pretty. It's always fun. <laughs> and that's the thing, dude, everything that you do. And I, you know, I said, dude, I remember the first time we had you on the show, we weren't friends yet. We, we knew each other and we were talking about the books and you were, you were showing us your stuff and, you know, Aaron and I were getting into it, but now we're friends. I feel like even more so now I would shoot you straight if I wasn't totally dinging it, but you're pitching it so well because you do what you do with that magic. But reading these books and I read uh, a little sneak peek of the first issue of season two, you deliver on everything you're saying. It is a buddy cop uh, you know, vibe and everything that you just said, but in the best way. Like sometimes shit gets overpitched and you read something or watch something after being pitched and you're like, that's exactly what you said it was going to be and I don't feel like I got anything out of actually watching the thing. You sold me on the pitch and that was enough, but your stuff just delivers every time and this second, the second season is shaped I mean, I've only read the first issue, but it's shaping up to be awesome. I saw in another interview you said um, after the first five issues, you were looking to kick things up a notch or two in the second season. And I was like, damn, if he's kicking things 
up from where season one ended, I'm fucking psyched. You can you can count me. And Aaron's not here, and Aaron got held up at work. But if he was here, I know he was ex- he was really excited to talk to you about this because <laughs> Aaron is like my buddy cop. <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> like we we hate each other and we don't want to be together, but we have to do this show. No, we're 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 the 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 buddies that love each other, and it's just you know we we're so on board for this. It's such a fun ass ride, and I can only imagine what it would look like on a TV show, dude. That's got to be you got to be fucking jazzed at that opportunity just to 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 think about that and kind of start to shape whether it's going to go. Yeah, I'm definitely jazzed. I come from a film TV background. You know, the TV raised me. I I, I did not have great supervision growing up. I, I didn't have people who were teaching me right and wrong. And I learned from the television and I spent way too much time in front of it. It's the reason I do what I do. I mean, I know how this stuff plays out and it's, it's why it was kind of an easy sell as a TV show because like a 10 episode Netflix show, I mean, these 10 issues, meaning season one and season two of the comic book together, they really play really nicely as like a 10 episode Netflix series. You go in and you pitch your TV show or your movie to an exec or a producer or whatever. The hardest thing to do is to get them to kind of like see your show. Right, right. You're sitting there talking for 20 minutes and you can talk about character. You can talk about this, but but they can't really see it. They can't wrap their mind around it. But when I can give them 10 issues of a comic book and you literally see it come to life, you see how the stories intertwine and how the how, the, how these character arcs pay off, how, how something gets planted in issue two and comes back in issue four and finally pays off like cacophonously in, in, in issue eight. They see how the TV season is going to go and they see the twists and the turns and the, the cliffhangers and, and it becomes a really easy sell. I mean, like I said, we, we just sold it so quickly and. Yeah, we totally kick it up a notch with the second season. And not just in terms of the story, the plot getting crazier, but like characters going off the deep end, that whole that whole thing. You read the first season. There is a lot of experimental storytelling here. For the first three issues of, of season one, we follow one character and then you pick up issue four and you're following a completely different character. Right. A lot of issues we have dueling narrators, two different people telling us a story and we're seeing the same events from different points of view and you don't know who to trust. They're unreliable narrators. You're seeing things, you know, the story is almost never told out of order. Hollywood does everything a certain way. They tell straight line stories and it gets boring, man. My movie TV writing got stale for a while. And then I tried comics and and I did the math one day. And over the first 18 months of my daughter's life, I, I wrote 18 professional comic scripts, stuff that's come out, stuff that will come out, the whole nine yards. And I just made a promise that I was never going to tell a straightforward, straight line story. That the beauty of comics is you can do anything. You can, you can test the sort of bounds of storytelling. Man, I just threw myself into it head first. And we go into some crazy places in this second season. It, it, it's where it really starts to pay off. I mean, we have a, I think it's the third issue of our, uh, of the second series. There was a character who is dying on an operating table. We set up in an earlier issue that he's a big fan of the game show Jeopardy. And so as he's dying, he imagines that he is a contestant on an episode of Jeopardy. His, his, his opponents on the game show are his opponents in the book. You know, the other characters from the book His the, the host of the show is his commanding officer and all the categories have to do with key moments in his life. And it's a character that was this big mystery until this this issue. And we sort of do a this is your life sort of thing where he's picking Jeopardy categories and answering questions. And and, and so the whole thing is framed as an episode of Jeopardy, but it's really this character study of the book's most mysterious characters. And it gets bonkers, man. It gets completely bonkers. We go to all sorts of weird places in this second season, and it's really rewarding. The issue that you read is this sort of preview issue, the first issue of the second season, is a lot of it is told from the point of view of a man who's just like on a drug binge. Yes. And so it starts to, his drug-induced haze starts to sort of break out of the panels. It starts to kind of like color everything that he's seeing, everything that you're reading in in a really interesting way. 
So when I say kick it up a notch, I, I mean in every way. It's not just plot. It's not just character. It's like, you know, the whole thing comes to life. See, and it's funny because it's so cool. And this is really one of the things that Aaron and I love so much about doing this show is we get to talk with creators and they get passionate about their shit. And I think our listeners agree, like, we love to hear you get jazzed about your stuff. So to hear you say that, like, you know, you creating in one way kind of felt like it was a little repetitive. So you changed gears and tried stuff different in the comic stories. And it's like to hear you get excited about that only gets us excited. And I'm sure you agree with me that as a fan, when you ingest some sort of media, whether it's television or movies or a comic, when you know that that the creator was getting jazzed about it, when the creator was, you know, passionate about it, you can see that in the work. I feel like it's more fun to enjoy because you're feeling the creator's love for the same thing that you love. And I think that Aberrant is a great example of that because your heart, your blood, your sweat, and that of your two-year-old daughter is in there as well. And we can feel that. And then I think season two and when the TV show comes out, I think that is going to be there too. And we're jazzed, dude, because, you know, another cool thing about doing a a show like this is we have all these awesome friends now who are in all these different, you know, facets of the industry and they can share these sweet ass little morsels and tidbits with us. You sent me and Aaron all these really cool previews and teasers of stuff. And it's not just, you know, tales from the world of Monster Matador. It's not just Aberrant. It's not just Aberrant the comic. It's not just Aberrant the TV show, but you have another comic book coming down the pike. You want to tease that a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. And hopefully I can uh, kick my way back on in a couple of months and promote that. Oh, yeah, dude. And I'm excited about that one. Yeah. So the, the new book is called Banjax. A lot of people won't know that word. It is Irish slang for if something is royally Banjax, it means it's fucked. Fucked up. Or broken beyond repair. And so Banjax is a crazy superhero deconstruction. Short and sweet, a Batman-like figure is diagnosed with terminal cancer that was caused by using his powers. He's actually a disgraced superhero. He was sort of kicked to the curb years ago after he sort of beat a supervillain to death. It was a sort of him or me situation. And, you know, basically in the age of cell phone cameras and YouTube, he was just crucified. And so now defending what he deems as a an ungrateful city for years is is now literally killing him. And so he, he has three months to live. He looks at the city. It's a crime-ridden cesspool. He starts thinking about his legacy and he, and, and he just decides, look, I can't, I can't leave. I can't leave like this. He basically decides that he is going to purge the city of supervillains, just dirty bastards in general before he dies. And so he launches this sort of violent and misguided sort of death wish like campaign to uh, clean the city up. He starts out kind of with good intentions, but then sort of descends into almost supervillain territory himself. It's like a, a crazy gray area book. It's a two-hander. The other main character is kind of the the Robin to his Batman, mm-hmm. who in the wake of our, our Batman's fit of disgrace, he became the public's point and wink superhero ideal. But he's become more like reality TV star than hero now. And so when things get really bad, he is the one who is charged with bringing his old mentor in. The problem is he's not remotely up to it. You know, this guy's a powder puff and like our Batman character is just a badass like wrecking ball. And so after that, it gets crazier and crazier. And you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about using experimental elements. You want to talk about a book kind of going in some crazy places. Never tell a straightforward story here. 
issue two is told from the point of view of someone who hasn't slept in seven days. <laughs> and, and I took a really long look at what that does to a person. And so he kind of starts to hallucinate and he has like action figures talking to him and statues talking to him. And you don't know if what he's seeing is real or not. And he doesn't know it. And, and, uh, and it all comes together in a crazy way. Issue one is built around a principle of physics, past, present and future are kind of just illusions and that everything is kind of happening at the same time. And so our hero gets his or, or anti-hero, I guess, gets his cancer diagnosed. Di- diagnosis in in a single he has a sort of enlightenment moment I teach Zen. I won't go too far into that, but so this plugs into a lot of Zen principles too. Zen and physics are really closely linked, but that's another podcast. (laughs) So in a single moment, when he gets his cancer diagnosis, he sees his whole life happening in one moment. He sees everything that's happening now. He sees everything that's happened before and how he ended up here. And he sees very clearly where he's going to end up and where everything's going to go. And and, and that's how he makes the decision to to launch this Death Wish-like campaign. And so the whole thing is told out of order. It's this crazy jumbled puzzle that doesn't feel like it's fitting together. And then in the end, it just all kind of comes into sharp focus and slams together. Really kind of cool and really crazy. It took me forever to write it. I'm really proud of it. But great book. You know, again, I'll come on in a couple of months and we'll talk about that. I've been paid, you know, to write in Hollywood for 12 plus years now, written a lot of comic books. And I think Banjax is maybe the best thing I've ever written. Well, I got to say, man, it's, it's all, again, it's awesome to hear you say that because I read, uh, you sent me a little preview for it. And the preview that you sent me kind of delves into one of the main characters. I'll say origin, but it's, you know, it leaves a lot still in mystery, but it's told real succinctly. You know, I think it was maybe eight or nine pages or so, probably even less. But it's like, boom, here's this guy. Boom, here's his thing now. Boom, here's his thing before. Here's where the story is going to start. It was a perfect teaser. And I'm telling you, I was immediately in. That is a book that even if I didn't know you, I would buy given that premise. And you told it so well. We're excited to hear the time frame on that is we got a couple months to wait before that guy drops. It'll drop in stores in June. Okay. Which means that it will be available for pre-order in April. So we're about a month away from that April previews catalog coming up and then you can march into your local comic shop or, you know, hop on one of these kind of online places like Mile High Comics or Midtown Comics or something like that. They'll ship it right to your door. But yeah, you'll be able to pre-order that. And pre-orders drive everything. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people, it's like, oh, I'm really looking forward to this book. And then they wait for the book to hit stores and then they go in and they buy their issue. Pre-orders make the whole thing go. Like comic shops don't know how many issues to order unless you go in and pre-order. So they may under-order. And in fact, if you go in and you tell your comic shop two months early, I'm really excited for this book. Can I order it? They'll be like, oh, wow, maybe other people will be excited about this book. And they'll order more issues. And that means more sales for the writer and the artist, more sales for the struggling indie comic label, more stories for the struggling comic shop. So get on it. Go to your local comic shop, get a pull list. When you read about stuff, when you when you listen to the Launchpad podcast and they're like, hey, we like this book, go down and, and pre-order it. Go, go down right now and pre-order Aberrant Season 2. You, you can pre-order issues 1 and 2 right now. Get those on your pull list. Tell, tell me you want the whole series. There are five issues. You won't be sorry, I promise. If if you're sorry, hit me up on Twitter at Rylan Grant and yell at me and I don't know, I'll buy them back from you. <laughs> You will not find a better deal. Um, let's do this. Rylan, real quick before we go, give us some dates of when things are dropping again, or even if it's approximates, let us know that. And then also let us know where we can find you, where we can find your stuff, what you have coming out, what you're up to, what your uh, what your thoughts are. So Aberrant Issue 5, the, the last issue of the first season, the first uh, story arc that was in comic shops as of March 6th. It's available now. Go down to your comic shop and get it. It's also available, you know, on Amazon. 
Amazon, Comixology for download, that sort of thing. The Aberrant Volume 1 trade paperback is in shops on March 20th. That again collects issues one through five, the whole first arc. It's a, a really good way to just kind of catch up and get ready for season two. That is available right now for pre-order on Amazon. Again, pre-orders drive everything. So hop on Amazon, pre-order that, you know, the moment it drops, they'll they'll get it to your, uh, your house. In fact, I've heard that Amazon is so on top of this stuff that a lot of people who pre-order on Amazon get them like two, three days early. So you can be the cool person that has I've it. actually heard that too. And I've had that happen. So it's definitely, it's a double-edged, well, not a double-edged sword. It's a, a win-win situation there. You get your shit early and you're helping like literally the entire industry. Again, it's just, it's amazing how many people you can help with one simple pre-order. I didn't know that until I started doing this for a living. Not that I make a living writing comics. Nobody does, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> not until I, I got a peek behind the curtain. Aberrant uh, Season 2, the new five-issue arc that gets crazier and crazier, that starts dropping in April, first week of April. The first issue will be out. I have a feeling the second issue is going to be pushed into May. It's slated for April now, but uh, you can get your pre-orders in right now. Go down to your comic shop, tell them you uh, you, you want that in your box when it comes down. The Monster Matador uh, short that we were talking about, The Dark Knight uh, Returns, which again is just bonkers and fun and crazy, that will be available via Comixology and via the Monster Matador uh, website or, or my Gumroad, uh, gumroad.com. Com, Half People Comics on March 22nd. That, that's short and sweet. It's just a, a lot of fun. I haven't had more fun uh, doing a comic, I don't think, than I did with that one. And then, you know, my other title, my superhero deconstruction, Banjax, starts dropping in June. That'll be available to pre-order in April. So in terms of where to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryland Grant. It's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I spell it because uh, it's not a real name. My parents made one up, so it's very hard to spell. Everyone misspells it. <laughs> so R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. You can find me on Facebook, you know, at Ryland Grant too. I have a website that I don't update too often, halfevilcomics.com, but it you know talks about some of the other things that I kind of have in the mix that it maybe hasn't been updated for a year, but still not a bad uh, uh, place to peek. And then, uh, you know, of course, again, I have that Gumroad shop. It's gumroad.com uh, backslash half evil comics. A lot of rare variants there that you can't get any- anywhere else. A lot of signed comics. And um, again, I don't make a dime off of it. All of it goes to charity. I plunk down a couple of bucks for a, a signed comic, save some elephants, give some kids some scholarships, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's the long and fat of it. And, you know, that sounds like a big the short list. Well, I know that seems like a long reading list, but I promise you guys, if you buy every book that Rylan and I just talked about, it will maybe last you an afternoon. You will devour these. I'm, I, I absolutely promise you. I would not I would not uh, bat an eye at that uh, that deal that Rylan just made that you can, uh, he'll buy the books back from you. There's no way you're going to do that because it's fun, fun books. Check these out. Rylan will be back on the show soon. We got Monster Matador stuff. Uh, I talk with Steve. We've got new Destroyer stuff in the works. The next arc is already underway and I don't know if I I can say it, but <laughs> <laughs> giant shark. I'm saying it. Giant shark. That, 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 that I'm just gonna leave it there. It's it's love, fun stuff, it's man. So I'm so glad you came on the show. Thank you. If if for nothing else, for the sneak peeks at this stuff, you guys gotta check out the stuff that Ryland's got coming out. Ryland, we will have you on because we spent all this time. We didn't even get to talk about the Sopranos and the Wire and all this other shit that you and I have prepped. So you gotta come back, man. Get a return ticket. You're coming right back. I, I'm geeked. So yeah, let's uh let, let's make a date and we'll uh we'll we'll do a Banjax wrap and. Uh, and I have a lot to say about The Sopranos, 20th anniversary. I'm going through it with Alan Seppenwall's book, and they have like four-page write-ups on every episode. It's it, It's been quite the ride, so I uh, <laughs> I have a lot to say, and I need to get it off my chest. <laughs> we'll keep it tuned here to the Launchpad Podcast. For now, we are out. So there you go, guys. That has been your aberrant update with Rylan Grant. As you heard him say, pre-orders. 
is what really drives the independent comic industry. Well, the comic industry in whole, but for the independent comics and the independent comic labels that are trying to get their creations out there, pre-orders helps them so much. So if you're in the mood to read some awesome comics, go out and tell your local comic shop. Get those pre-orders on your pull list. In the meantime, you can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and on our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Guys, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Friends of the Launchpad and supporting all the amazing comic book artists and independent comic artists that we bring on the show. We really appreciate it. Until next time, we're the Rocketeers, and we're out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.